as I do. Uh, we're glad to have Rachel Schilling here today. Does anybody know who that is? James and Rachel, great to see you all today. Congratulations on being married yesterday. Rachel Dunaway is now Rachel Schilling, a married woman. That's pretty cool right there. So uh, very, very happy, very happy for them. Thank the Lord. <clears throat> Psalm 13. Psalm 13. How long will thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long will thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me. O oh Lord, my God, lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say, I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I want to preach to you from every fiber, every part of me this morning. The need of encouragement. The need of encouragement. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. Thank you for your patience and standing. You may be seated. Charles Stanley said, <clears throat> Disappointment is inevitable. Disappointment is inevitable. But to become discouraged, there's a choice I make. God, he said, would never discourage me. He would always point me to himself to trust Him. Therefore, my discouragement is from Satan. As you go through the emotions that we have, hostility is not from God. Bitterness, unforgiveness, all of these attacks are from Satan, according to Charles Stanley. Billy Graham said, the Christian life is not a constant high. He said, I have my moments of deep discouragement. I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, Oh God, forgive me or help me. Joyce Meyer said, Depression begins with disappointment. Depression begins with disappointment. When disappointment festers in our soul, it leads to discouragement, she said. If you are in need of comfort and encouragement, there seems to be one place in the Bible that fits the bill. Perhaps no other book of the Bible pours out comfort and encouragement as does the book of Psalms. 
Just take one small theme and pull it from the Psalms is to find great blessing. Consider what we find when we consider the man who has to battle the darkness. Consider what we find when the man has to battle with darkness. The psalmist said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. He said, The Lord will enlighten my darkness. He said, I have ordained a lamp for mine anointed. He said, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. He said, The commandment of the Lord enlightens the eyes. He said to God in prayer, Send out thy light, let it lead me. He said, light is sown for righteousness. He said, unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He said, he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light. And then he said, he will keep you secretly in his pavilion. There are a vast number of subjects that we can seek out when we read of God's power in the psalm, the great encouragement, the great encouragement is that having an understanding that none of the challenges that faces a saint of God can stand against God's plan or God's resources. I want to say that again. The great encouragement you find in the psalms is that having an understanding that none of the challenges that faces a child of God can stand against God's plan or God's resources. Charles Spurgeon said, whenever you look into David's Psalms, you will somewhere or other see yourself. He said, you never get into a corner, but you find David in that corner. He said, I think that I was never so low that I did not find David was lower. He said, I've never climbed so high that I could not see David above me. Joseph Parker Parker said, this psalm begins with winter. Psalm 13 begins with winter and ends with summer. It begins with low muffled tones of sorrow, but ends with a rapture of praise. Matthew Henry said, days of trouble must be days of prayer. Andrew Fuller said, it is not under the sharpest but the longest trials that we are in most danger of fainting. When Job was accosted with evil tidings in quick succession, he bore it with becoming fortitude. But when he could see no end to his troubles, he sunk under them. David got to this place in his life. There's actually a connection between Psalm 12 and Psalm 13. In fact, there is a noted intensity in Psalm 12. And by the time you get to Psalm 13, there is a sense of desperation that pours out of David. In Psalm 12, David feels as if godly men have abandoned him. But when he gets to Psalm 13, he seems to indicate that even God has abandoned him. 
being feeling uh, abandoned by God is certainly a terrible mad matter. Jonah thought he wanted to run from God and abandon Him, but he changed his mind when he was in the belly of the fish. Esau fled from God, but when he carefully sought Him in repentance, it was a terrible thing when Esau could not find God. Balaam tried to abandon God by going to see Balak. He found the terrible consequences of abandoning God. Scattered throughout all Scripture comes the pleadings of men. Do not hide your face from us, O God. Forgive me for feeling this way, but I take great encouragement from the fact that the man, after God's own heart, would cry out as he did in Psalm 13. That should let us all know that there will be times in our walk with God when we will have the same feelings. Something to help me remember the flow of this psalm is a helpful outline that Stephen Lawson in his commentary on the psalm provides. He divides the six verses under three headings. He takes Psalm 13 and divides it into three parts. At verses 1 and 2, he talks about David's sorrow when David's problems put him on his face. Then he talks about David's supplication in verses 3 and 4 when David's burden of discouragement puts him to prayer on his knees. But then he concludes the psalm in verses 5 and 6 with David singing. His praise puts him back on his feet. So in verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 13, he said, How long? Will thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long will thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? There are some hints that this has been a trial of sorts that's been dragging on for an extended period of time. Because in these two verses, David cries out four times, Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? How long, oh Lord, will you hide your face from me? How long, oh Lord, must I reason with my soul that is filled with sorrow? How long, oh Lord, will my enemy have power over me? The soul has come to a place that there's a great period of wrestling that can settle in on us. We all come to this place at some point. Everyone will make the trip to Psalm 13. Everybody makes a pass through Psalm 13. All men, no matter how dedicated, no matter how noble their services has been for the Lord, at some point or another will live in Psalm 13. Various circumstances can bring you to the course of Psalm 13. I'll begin for a moment today with family matters can bring you to this place. Marriages will have to endure pressures of unreasonable expectation. Trying to work out the personality clashes will leave, you, uh, will leave you with a feeling of abandonment. Children will get to be teenagers and they will become antagonistic and rebellious while they're trying to figure out their place in life. Strain comes to the family and we feel like we have nowhere to turn. Secular work can bring you to this place. We've all had to work. 
We all have to work. And there are certain blessings that come from that work that we invest ourselves in. But then you will enter into a place where it becomes mundane and boring. It no longer holds the inspiration that it once did. The rapid promotions that came early have leveled off, and now that inevitable holding pattern consumes us. The profit margin seems to become stagnant, and maintenance consumes most of our time. Church work can bring you to Psalm 13. Church work will get you to this place. Some seem to think that because of the nobility and power of working for the kingdom of God, that there is nothing but the long stretches of revival, inspiration, and spiritual passion marked by occasional tussles with the devil. But those who have the kingdom close to their heart soon discover that the harvest has seasons, growth levels off, prayers become dry, and seasons of hard plowing and sowing are our lot in life. Spiritual, our spiritual life can take us to Psalm 13. For those who have been faithfully serving the Lord for years can find that early in their walk many spiritual victories took place. Now they seem more spaced out and spiritual progress seems to have greatly slowed. It's almost as if there's a deep spiritual slump that dogs your steps. The longer this takes place, the more inward spiritual analysis consumes us. Old mistakes and past sins are dredged up and we wonder. All of these circumstances give rise to the challenging questions of the Spirit. Has God forgotten? Have the blessings of God been taken away forever? Where are the blessings of God? Is God punishing me somehow for things I did years ago? In situations like this, we have a tendency to think that God has abandoned us. Our emotions can get the best of us during these times. Furthermore, there is a deadly enemy that we have to prevail against. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, The devil is the adversary of our soul. He can use our temperaments and our physical condition. He so deals with us that we allow our temperament to control and govern us instead of keeping uh, temperament where it should be kept. There's no end, there's no end to the ways the devil produces spiritual depression. We must always bear that in mind, he said. So sometimes life will absolutely put you on your face before God, questioning everything you've ever learned and everything you felt like you know. But then David comes to the second part in verses 3 and 4. Where he said, have you forgotten me? Now he says, would you consider me? Consider me, O Lord, my God. Lighten mine eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. I talked to you about this Wednesday night about discernment. Let mine enemies say I have prevailed against him and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. David can greatly help us see the solution for this kind of situation. He cries out in prayer. And folks, I just can't stress enough. Can't stress enough. I have a certain disappointment right now that we're coming on camp meeting week. I wanted to teach this coming Wednesday night. We'll put it off a week. But I want to continue my theme in spiritual warfare and talk to you about the six different kinds of prayer.
that goes along with the six different kinds of temptation I talked to you about this past Wednesday. But this is what I'm talking about right now. When you're in that moment that David was in Psalm 13, 1 and 2. You have, we have a propensity sometimes to even forget who God is. We forget our purpose. We forget our value. We forget our orientation. We forget about what God has in store and has planned for our lives. I'm talking to a lot of people here today. I'm talking to a lot of people here today. The answer to those feelings is not to seclude yourself in some sad state of depression and martyrdom, but find yourself a prayer meeting. I'm just elated to see Sister Melanie here today. When she was given her terrible news several weeks ago, after she sorted through some physical issues for a day, the following day, before she even had surgery, she came up here. She came to this room right here. And she had an experience with God that's immeasurable and invaluable. That's what you do when you feel like God is forgotten and God has abandoned. You don't walk away. You don't quit. You don't give up. But rather you find a prayer room somewhere and you get on your knees and you stay there. You stay there until you hear from God. I can assure every person in this building, God has not forgotten you. He's not abandoning you. And he would love nothing more than to hear your cry right now and say, God, would you consider me for a moment? Would you listen to me for a moment? My heart's burning. My heart's heavy. I've lost my way. Would you lighten my eyes so I can see? Oh, God. Oh, God. The solution is prayer. He says, consider me. Look at me. Hear me. Open mine eyes. We use Pentecostals. We all, we all we have our vernacular. We all know that. One of our favorites is we had a good praying through. So and so prayed through to the Holy Ghost. So and so prayed back through to the Holy Ghost. We've all heard this vernacular. It occurred to me in preparing for this today how powerful that is when you are so burdened and you're heavy laden, and you don't know where to go, and you can hardly put the next foot in front of the other. There's nothing more fulfilling, I suppose, than in that moment you find an altar, you find a prayer room somewhere, and you pray through that attitude. You pray through that mentality. You pray through that perspective so that by the time you're done praying you are seeing things differently than you did when you walked into that prayer room does anybody hear the pastor today there's merit in coming to a place that says I'm going to pray through this my prevailing attitude virtually on a daily basis is Micah 7, 8, one of my most favorite scriptures in the Bible. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, when I fall, for I will 
rise again. I may be knocked down, but I'm not knocked out, buddy. And when I come back, when I come back, I'm not going to be weaker. I'm not going to be more flimsy. I'm not going to be as big a sissy as I was before. But when I come back, I'm going to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Because greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord this morning. Oh, my. David... David was perhaps in this place. You'll, you'll, you'll see this on the screen. His feelings, his feelings say that God had turned away from him. But his faith said something else. That's some good stuff right there, man. I may feel one way. I'm being honest here today. Past couple of weeks have been pretty lousy for me for some reason, and just just didn't want to get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> Maybe I'm being too honest right now. Maybe I'm preaching to me right now. I don't know. And it's hard sometimes, Shaquana, not to let your feelings envelop you. It's hard not to let your feelings dictate your next step. It's hard not to let your feelings determine your next decision. And if you could somehow find this place of prayer that I'm talking about, you'll find, you'll find that somewhere along the line, faith rises above feelings. Faith says, don't do it that way. Don't make that decision based on that. Don't skip out on church tonight. Don't forget to pray today. Don't go there. Don't walk that path. Faith steps up to the plate and says, hey, wait a minute. This is crazy what you're feeling. There is a God, and he does care about you. He cares about your family matter. He cares about your job. He cares about your spirituality. He cares about every part of your life. God knows and cares about us, and we must believe that. I'd be curious to know how many funerals for sparrows that God has attended already today. You think he don't care about you? Jesus said, my Father in heaven knows every sparrow. It falls. Prayer makes a difference. If you can ever come to the place that you begin to engage prayer, getting down on your knees in that kind of prayer, getting on your knees in that kind of prayer, we need that kind of prayer that is prolonged and seeking out the God of power. David poured his soul out to the Lord and told him that his enemies were mocking him. They said, we have prevailed against David. We took down the mighty man. That's what his feelings said. But his faith reminded him of Goliath. And then when you skip down to Verses 5 and 6. David's praying. 
He's going through a long season of, oh, God's. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I can't bear this anymore. God, I can't handle this anymore. I can't do this anymore. But after a while, I have to admit, I have to to be honest here today. It happens to me every time I pray. It happens every time I pray. I can have this attitude and these feelings. I can walk in this building. I can get in my car. I can get on my motorcycle with all these feelings. But by the time I'm done, you have to get off your knees because faith has kicked in. And something's churning now on the inside a little bit. And it gets you up back. Oh, God, I could run around this building right now. It gets you back on your feet. And you just got to clap your, clap your hands a little bit. They say in the turn of the 19th century or, or the 1900s that uh, Frank Ewart went back and forth, back and forth with his apostolic conversion. He was Trinity and then go for one God, and then Trinity and one God, Trinity and one God. But he testified finally when he made his decision that there's one God and his name is Jesus. He said, I get so excited about it when I think about it. His words were that no matter where I'm at and what I'm doing, I just have to let out a little hallelujah. I just can't help it. I can't, I can't hold it in on the inside forever. I think of the words that Jesus said at the last day of the great feast. The Bible said, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah to God. So after David's pitiful, pitiful plight, of catering to his feelings, and then faith rises up. He ultimately concludes Psalm 13 by saying, But I have trusted in thy mercy, and my heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. I'm going to back up and look at the big picture, and I'm going to admit that I've had some failures, and I've had some weaknesses, and I've had some temptations. But in the big picture, in the big scheme of things, I must confess that God has never let me down. God has never failed. God has never walked from my side. He has blessed me unbelievably. I have more than I could ever dream of. I have more than I could get my head around. I'm blessed by God with every breath that I breathe and every beat of my heart. I'm blessed by God with amazing family and friends and a church. I'm blessed by God because I know Him. I'm blessed by God because I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm blessed by God because my sin has been forgiven. I'm blessed by God because He's healed my body. I'm blessed by God because He's encouraged me. I'm blessed by God because He's inspired me. Come on, somebody. Don't cater to your feelings right now. Let faith turn you to the Word of God. And look at your life and you'll see that we've truly been blessed. So now David is standing on the side of victory. It does not matter what situation of life that you find yourself in, the old song said. It's good to know Jesus. Everybody ought to know Jesus. David says that he will rejoice in his salvation. There may be times in your life when that is all you have the opportunity to praise God for, but we must still rejoice in our salvation, even when seemingly There is nothing else. David ushers in that amazing principle. The final verse of the passage. You have dealt bountifully with me. 
This means past tense. He was looking to the blessings in the past and found himself filled with a song. He was looking to the blessings in the past and found himself filled with a song. We can do that. Yeah, even in Psalm 13, David will have to keep running from Saul for a little while longer. In the midst, in the environment, in the circumstance, where one of the most powerful men at that time is chasing you like a hound dog through the hills of Judea. David finds a moment to stop and sing and dance for a few minutes. You know why? Because sometimes we need some encouragement. Even when you've been anointed to be king and priest and prophet, you still need a moment of encouragement. God did not change David's plight in running from Saul. But if God can get David through all the many dangers, toils, and snares, he can do so also for us. Every once in a while, we make appeals to old songs we had a moment actually last night to just drag up some old songs and of course I've lived now at age 62 where what's an old song to me may not be an old song to people older than me but it is troubling that I have to admit that I know songs that are now old and that there are people here today that don't know them there are some songs we could sing that all these fellows right here on the front two rows, these young ones, they wouldn't have a clue what we were singing. But one I can hardly forget is back in the 1970s. Andre Crouch used to sing a song titled, I've Got Confidence, God is Going to See Me Through. He said, when trouble is in my way and I can't tell my night from day and I'm tossed from side to side like a ship on a raging tide, I don't worry and I don't fret. God has never failed me yet. Troubles come from time to time, but that's all right. I'm not the worrying kind because I've got confidence. He went on to say, Job was sick so long till the flesh fell from his bones, his wife, cattle, and children. Everything that he had was gone. But Job, in his despair, knew that God still cared sleepless days and sleepless night. Job said, Honey, that's all right because I've got confidence. Melanie, I've got confidence. Everything's going to be all right.
we went and visited with Fred and Pat McKenzie in the hospital Wednesday night after church. And he had had a second stroke, and they found out that he had some blockage, about 80%. Had surgery Friday. We only stood in that room for a few moments that we began to pray when we walked out. Both of them said, heard Fred speaking in tongues in this hospital room. And they both said, we feel such peace. See, everybody goes through Psalm 13 when you feel like God forgot about you. And then you get on your face before God. And it's not long till you're back on your feet and you're praising the Lord. And God does nothing to Saul chasing you around. He does nothing to change your circumstance. He just lets you know that he's still on the throne. And as long as you're you're in my hands, you're going to be okay. If you'll stand with me this morning... Everybody needs some encouragement. We get to that point sometimes in our walk with God where nothing right now seems to be working out. But there is a God that sees tomorrow, sees next week, He sees next month. There's people here today, more than one. There's people here today, more than one. You have absolutely been faced. You've had to face the most complex, indescribable, unexplainable circumstances that a lot of people just never go through, but you had to do it. Brother and Sister Wheeler's going through it right now. David Fair is just coming out of it. There's others I'll not mention publicly. But my goodness, man, you're, you're facing things. You face things. There's people here today that's had tumors. There's people here today that's had cancer, complex health issues. There's people here today that's gone through complex family issues, unbelievable family issues. When the spouse goes completely crazy, children unpredictable parents that do things that are just you just can't fathom it and so we find a place to pray it's not long after you're in that prayer meeting that you find yourself back on your feet. Your hands are back up in the air. Is all the family issues fixed? No. Has all the health issues gone away? No. Has the job gotten better? No. But God just has that amazing ability to just grab you up in His arms. I don't know how else to explain it, but when you just can't find your way, God comes. And this is what he does. 
And nobody can do it better than he can. He just walks up with those sweet, amazing hands and says, I've got you. I don't know what that means to you. Carl, I'm 62 years old, and sometimes I'm still a big baby at heart with all the stuff I've experienced and gone through. Once in a while, I still just need God to walk up and just grab a hold and say, I've got you. I've got your family. I've got your kids. They're in my hands. You say, Pastor, why are you preaching this way? I've already told you. Because sometimes we just need some encouragement. And I want to assure everybody here today that God knows where you are. He knows the feeling of your heart. If He knows how many hairs are on your head, He knows how your heart feels right now. And there's somebody here today, God just wants to walk up and just grab a hold of you and say, I've got you. And he, he did it for sweet Elena when her brother was dying of leukemia. We didn't always see her. It's about Dawson, Dawson. But God didn't do that. God said, baby, I've got you. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Everything is it's going to be all right with all the turmoil and all the tumult that goes on in our lives and in our families. God walks up and says, don't worry. I've got paving under your next footstep. Your, your next step is going to still be on solid ground. You may not see it that way. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Thou art with me. So in those moments when it's convoluted and it's crazy, God says, Brennan, don't worry, buddy. I've got you. I've got you. That's just his way of saying, I realize I know how it feels to be a human. And I know that sometimes humans need some encouragement. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. I'll hold you in my arms until the storm passes. I feel the Holy Ghost in this building today. So while they begin to sing softly, if you could reverently and respectfully, if everybody would just make your way down in front of the building, because if you don't need encouragement, maybe there's somebody standing beside you that does. Can we be respectful of them today? Can we be respectful for them today? Everybody come. If there's somebody standing next to you and there's a tear in their eye, would you put your hand on their shoulder and pray for them? Pray for them right now. God, I just need a little encouragement. God, I'm not backslid. I don't even feel like I'm lukewarm. God, I feel like I'm where I need to be, but I'm just a little discouraged right now. 
I think maybe you forgot about me for a moment. God, just assure me again. Everybody reach heavenward. Everybody please reach heavenward. This is too powerful of a moment for us to miss. Everybody reach heavenward right now if you would. In Jesus' name. Come on, Grace Church, everybody. Would you reach heavenward right now? Everybody reach heavenward. Everybody reach heavenward right now.